Mediated Conversation on SAFM. Good morning, 27 minutes now to 9. The time time for your Mediated Conversation this Thursday morning. Yesterday, more evidence was published that shows how food prices are still rising more quickly than prices in other parts of the economy. One of the really difficult parts of our lives over the last two years has been how quickly food prices have risen and how tough it's made life for you. Yesterday, the Competition Commission released new data showing that bread and wheat prices rose by around 10% during the first quarter of the year. But producer prices for bread rose by only 3% during that period. There's some other evidence that may lead to claims that retailers are keeping their profit margins relatively high. Of course, it depends in which sector you look. And I should remind you that retailers and food prices will also say they have to deal with load shedding. That puts big pressure on their prices because it's difficult to maintain a cold chain to keep food fresh during intense load shedding. So then what's going on in the economy? How does this affect you and how will it move in the future? First this morning, you'll hear from the chief economist of the Competition Commission, James Hodge. Then you'll hear from Mervyn Abrams, the program coordinator at the Peter Maritzburg Economic Justice and Dignity Group. And finally, Paul Makube is the senior agricultural economist at First National Bank. We start then with James Hodge from the Competition Commission. James, good morning. Thank you for your time. Good morning. You conducted your own investigation into food prices. There are different things happening in different sectors. Let's start with bread. How are those prices moving? So, so Stephen, maybe just to paint some context, we use StatsSA data um, and also your commodity markets to look at prices at each point in the value chain. So what is the wheat or maize price on, on the futures exchange? What is the producer price and what is the, the retail price? And StatsSA does a sample across the country and that is a representative sample and it's used for our CPI and PPI. So what we are seeing this year is that finally all those factors that had caused the commodity markets to to push up prices have now abated. So wheat prices are down 10% in the first quarter, maize prices down almost 25%, um, beef down 20% in the last year. And and so the question has been, is that being transmitted through to the producer lowering their prices and the retailer lowering their prices? And and the evidence is is mixed, but in essence, in maize and bread, we haven't seen the producer price drop. Um, and so they are taking a, a bigger margin. And for um, cooking oil and uh, beef, it seems to be on the retailer side as well. Okay, I just want to clarify that. So you're saying we're not seeing the retail price of bread uh, changing, but the producing price may be coming down. Is that right? No, the producer price for maize and bread um, and has not been coming down right. and so you don't expect the retailer necessary to drop it if, mm. if they're not seeing um, a drop in in the supplier side as well okay and then cooking oil and there was a time and i remember so clearly the interview at the beginning of the pan of at the beginning of russia's invasion of of ukraine how how oil prices for all sort of food oils doubled literally overnight what's happened since then uh, oil oil prices actually matter Oh, they matter hugely. And what we exposed a year ago was, although global prices had gone up because we're self-sufficient in things like sunflower oil and canola, in fact, in our commodity exchange, prices didn't go up, but the producer price went up and quite sharply, trading on um, basically the Ukraine war. But that was just profit-taking. And um, when we exposed it subsequent to that, the price has come down. 
And in that period, in fact, that initial period, retailers did shave their margins to to cushion the consumer. Um, But as it's come down, they've looked to regain those margins as well. But certainly cooking oil in the last three months, there's been a big drop in in sunflower seed prices, which we haven't seen passed on um, by the producers um, or the retailers. Um, And then you looked at commercial cattle farmers, and we're talking about the price of beef. That industry has changed. It has changed. It's changed dramatically, and it's consistent with what we see, in fact, across all of agriculture, that um, your your farming units are getting bigger and bigger, so we're having fewer and fewer farmers um, who... Who, who just become larger, but also concentration and integration in the chain. So now, in fact, your top 10 cattle feedlots account for almost 70% of cattle, um, up from about 50% only a few years ago. And uh, your top 10 abattoirs um, account for about 50% of slaughtering. So very concentrated. But in fact, the story over the last year is, is that those calf and, and um, carcass prices have been decreasing and that is in the face of you know high feed prices that were were present previously but those have eased um, but the retail price hasn't come down and so now the retailer share of of the price of beef you have in in the in supermarkets 40 percent um you know only 60 percent goes to the farmers and the feedlots sure um you say that large food companies have seen increases in their revenues is that revenue or pro- is that increased profit, increase in the revenue? Or is food just costing a lot more, their inputs? Or is the, the whole thing just become so much more expensive that their revenues have gone up, but so is their expenditure? Yeah, there's definitely expenditures increased and revenue has. Um, and, and it's mixed. I think, I think what we see is that the poultry producers have faced a huge load shedding cost. But um, the milling and, and baking companies that, that give you your bread and, and maize meal um, load shedding has had far less effect and and so it's really about other expenses up the chain but um, they've managed to maintain their margins and that's the story we see in this report is producers retailers can maintain their margins they can pass on these costs um, and not take much pain themselves hmm. so in load shedding generally because i mean this is always there's been so much conversation around this and obviously it'll change from a sector to sector but for example meat or vegetables uh you need a cold chain without the cold chain you can't really sell them at the same price you won't be able to keep them for very long all sorts of things happen is it possible at all from the information that you've looked at to sort of put any kind of figure on what load shedding is doing to what we pay for food well, look, I think the, you know, it is difficult to, to see it through the chain. I mean, now many companies are starting to report. So you're right. The retailers um, have huge uh, diesel bills. Um, you know, I think ShopRite announced 700 million um, in the last financial year. And so there is a big effect on the cold chain for sure. I think the question we're raising at the moment is that that cost is always there. So when you're, you're, commodity prices your farm gate prices start coming down um we would still expect to see that transmitted through the producers and the and the retailers um you know farmers have load shedding costs too so do producers um so it's more the trend in prices rather than the level certainly load shedding has increased the level um but we should see a downward trend at this stage as we get that relief upstream 
James Hodge, thank you very much indeed. Chief Economist at the Competition Commission, really appreciate the time. You are there, SAFM, 19 minutes now to nine. The time your mediated conversation on the latest situation around food prices continues. Well, we've looked at the supply side. Let's look at what's happening to people who need to buy food now. Mervyn Abrams is the Programme Coordinator at the Peter Maritzburg Economic Justice at Dignity Group. Mervyn, good morning. Thanks for your time this morning. Good morning, Stephen, and good morning to all your listeners. Uh, you would have heard the Competition Commission looking at the producers of food at the supply side. The people who need to buy food, how difficult is it for them? Prices are not coming down in any way. So, Stephen, that's absolutely correct. Um, we track a basket of 44 very, very basic foods, including some of the foods that James Hodge just mentioned. And our basket in August stands at 5,124 Rand. And we need to note that is much more than a national minimum wage a worker will bring home. That is an increase of about 40 Rand over the month of July and a 348 Rand or a 7.3% increase over the past year. So food prices continue to increase way above the level of CPI inflation as the competition Commission had mentioned, uh, and that's really impacting households severely because particularly low-income household and working-class households spend the biggest part of the income on food, so they feel the inflation level much greater than, than, for instance, you know, people who do not spend that same amount of money on food. So I would presume that from if we go from, say, uh, the beginning of 2022 to where we are now, people are spending a bigger proportion of their income on food. And that that, in fact, probably started maybe during the pandemic, that people had a certain proportion of their income they were spending on food. Now they're spending a bigger proportion. Would that be right? That would be absolutely right, Stephen. I mean, we've seen that food price inflation has far outstripped for instance, increases in wages and in social grants. So, so if a household had spent something like about 1,500 about three years ago, they are now spending about 3,000, which all really should be spending 3,000 if they were buying the same goods, um, then we, we, we are seeing that actually the shopping trolley is getting lesser and lesser and households are eating uh, a less nutritious food or, or, or eating less food uh, per se. Uh, and that's been our experience and that's what we're picking up in the townships. From what you can see um, and from what you've heard with the Competition Commission and, and I know Mervyn, you keep a very close eye on all of this. Do you think someone's making a profit at the expense of the poor, more profit than they did? Or do you think this is just about what's happening around the world? And I must just say, you know, to add some more greater context to that, food prices in other countries have gone up dramatically as well. I think Hungary at one point it was 50%. So, so yes, Stephen, I mean, it is a complex story. And I think, you know, just to, to throw out things like, well, it's profit taking, etc. There, there are different food value chains and we're seeing different pricing there. Uh, we are seeing in global impacts on different food value chains uh, impacting differently. So I would, I would, I would want us to agree with James Hodge that, you know, it's a mixed picture. But overall, what we are seeing is that is that producers are continuing to take profits. And Stephen, this is a systemic issue. Uh, 
So when we are speaking to farmers, for instance, egg farmers or milk farmers, they tell us that they are price takers. So they have per perishable goods. And if the, the next person up in the value chain says to them, I will buy you an egg for 50 cents, but I will buy all your eggs, that farmer is forced to sell. Um, and so that farmer itself has probably just about covered their expenses. They cannot increase wages for the farm workers. So actually, that is what is happening in the system, and our system is not transparent. That's why we welcome the Competition Commission's report. Um, there are other elements to all of this. So um, what we're likely to see now, and we'll get an outlook in a moment from Paul Kobe, but... There are some indications that food price inflation will begin to slow. So the prices won't be going down. The rate at which they go up will go down. So um, that means that people are still in a very tough position. They still have to spend such a big proportion of their income on food. And their incomes, from what I can see, Mervyn, you tell me, are not increasing. Exactly. So that is the particular structural problem in South Africa, is that is that the essential goods and services like food, electricity and transport, they increase way above inflation at times, at the CPI inflation, and yet the wages and grants, so the income levels of households are not increasing at that same rate. And so, in fact, households are becoming poorer year after year after year in RAND terms or in terms of what they can purchase. And, and that's where really the structural problem in the South African economy arises from. There's some signs, Mervyn, and, and if I may just um, sort of move to this for a minute, there's some signs that you would have seen the National Treasury will be cutting spending on government departments, or at least that's the reporting. Uh, there's a huge debate around a basic income grant, which might be the best, le best way to provide income support for people to make their own choices to buy the food that they and their families need. At the same time, it is clear that our economy is not producing for the majority of people. They just aren't jobs. Um, if we end up with government providing fewer services than it does now, um, and no basic income grant or the social distress of relief grant is removed, maybe, may not, what impact is that going to have? Stephen, the, the short answer to that is it will lead to increased hunger, uh, probably increased child mort mortality uh, based on, on undernutrition. Um, if, if that is not, uh, if government spending is less, and if we are not having job creation. Um, so, so really, we are in a fix. Uh, if government drops some of their services, it would lead to increased hardships. And, and in reality, uh, we have seen the number of children under the age of five dying as a result of, 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 of undernutrition and hunger. And, and really the picture of that would increase. So that would be the stark reality of, of making that kind of choices. Mervyn Abrahams, thank you very much indeed. He is the Programme Coordinator at the Peter Marisburg Economic Justice and Dignity Group. Really appreciate the time. In a moment, the outlook. Paul Makube is a Senior Agricultural Economist at First National Bank. He's next. Mediated Conversation on SAFM. Continue your mediated conversation this morning around food prices, what's happening to food prices at the moment. Paul Makube is the Senior Agricultural Economist at First National Bank. Paul, good morning. 
good morning, Stephen. Uh, thanks for having me and good morning to your listeners. So food prices are still rising sharply. We've heard that from the Competition Commission. In your view, where is that money going? Is it going to profit or are companies actually struggling to produce food at affordable prices and farmers are struggling to produce the raw materials for that food? Yes, uh, the the combination of factors. Uh, let's start, uh, you know, at, at farm level. At farm level, um, uh, we see deceleration in price uh, of of of, of uh, uh, prices that the the the, 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 the producers get. And and from a production perspective, uh, we have bumper harvest. So, um, you know, farmers are doing their job. Uh, and and um, you know there is available uh, you know a, a product on the on on the market. The problem is up the value chain, um, you know where uh, there is stickiness in terms of, in terms of price. So at producer level, we have seen a deceleration in price. And if you look at the uh, and, and and if you look at the, the, the international situation, I think uh, you know because we are an open economy, uh, we are influenced by developments on the on the on the international market. But if you look at uh, what has happened uh, this year on, uh, only in, in terms of international food prices, uh, they have been in, 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 in negative territory for you know since January. So there's been decline on the international market. So <clears throat> domestically, why there is, there, there is that, that stickiness is internal issues that impacted on the uh, you know on on, the, on that stickiness in in in, the, in 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 the you know food price uh, inflation. And one of those is again has been load shedding. Uh, and, and the fact that uh, some of the inputs um, uh, from last year have, you know, you know, carried on into, uh, you know, into 2023, uh, that uh, still, um, you know, makes it, uh, you know, those margins, uh, you know, to remain relatively squeezed. But I think the biggest has been your your, your load sharing. Uh, you've talked about, uh, you know, the um, uh, the fact that uh, you know most of the perishables uh, unit cooling. And uh, we had, uh, you know, uh, you know, intense load, load sharing this year, and obviously at a huge cost for for producers in terms of uh, running those generators for for extended periods. So and those are the dynamics in the in, in in the domestic market. But if you look at uh, from a supplier perspective, uh, you know, we had bumper crops, um, maize alone about 16.4 million tons, uh, you know, produced in the country. If you look at fresh produce. Uh, mostly, uh, you know, on the on the upside in terms in terms of production, except except a few uh, you know commodities that might uh, you know experience weather issues and uh, uh, you know seeing some contraction. But overall, the agricultural sector has pushed uh, you know uh, you know product uh, you know onto the market. Up the value chain is where the, the, there's a li- little bit of of, of thickness and uh, you know uh, that delayed pass through. Uh, in, in, in most instances, you know, from the grain side, for example, we talk about, you know, about three percent. I mean, three, three, three month lag in 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 price, uh, you know, trans- transmission. Uh, but we have seen that those delays into in 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 in, in, in transmitting the you know those prices to to, to the consumer. Uh, and so um, we can't blame it much on the on the on the um, um, uh, you know on, on the producer side. Uh, but but mostly on the on on the on the value chain, uh, you know, upwards. Okay, so then um, we see st- something going on in the value chain. There, you talk about a three-month lag. Um, would you expect then that this inflation, food price inflation, generally, um, is actually going to come down quite quickly? Well, after the three-month period. Oh well, the the the, the, the you know we we have seen that the deceleration. We come from a, a you know. 
a high of uh, you know of 14 percent put inflation uh, we are now at 10 percent uh, we we expected that uh, the deceleration to continue but uh, obviously the we experiencing some you know hiccups uh, we've seen this month a massive hike in in, in uh, uh, you know in, in diesel uh, you know, in fuel cost particularly diesel uh, obviously that impacts on the distribution of, of, of produce uh, you know we um, you know, some of the guys uh, in terms of, uh, you know, cold chain, maintaining cold chain, they uh, they have to run through those generators as well. Uh, we come lately from a six, um, you know, a stage six load sharing. So those are the, you know, challenges that, uh, you know, no, no producers, uh, you know, generally face. By the way, I haven't even, you know, touched on the and on the logistics uh, that has dilapidated, and uh, you know, pr- you know, you know, trucks have been to you know reroute and take a you know longer route to actually to get to markets because of the uh, you know um, you know but you know badly damaged uh, you know uh, road infrastructure in some areas. So, th- so you know, so th- those are some of the you know uh, you know costs that uh, you know producers have to have to you know bear with. And by the way, they you know as as Mervin has uh, indicated. The difficulty of a farmer to actually, um, you know, pass on uh, on uh, on price. Uh, they are mostly, you know, you know, take, you know, you know, price takers. Uh, despite the fact that uh, you know some of them, uh, you know, have you know vertically integrated, such as your your your, you know, some of the feedlots that have you know vertically inter- integrated. But uh, at the end, you uh, you you experience that challenge in terms of stickiness in in, in price. Um, one of the big variables in food prices over time, of course, is the issue of, of rain. Um, we've had uh, Laninas, which is why uh, we've actually had so much rain and why uh, food prices, why, why they've been bumper harvests. All of that's due to come to an end. What's that going to do to food prices? Yeah, uh, there's a, 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 a complicated one. Um, the forecast so far indicates that we are now heading into a full uh, El Nino period, so uh, La Nina is gone. Uh, but fortunately, we're going into the into the new uh, you know crop season um, on the back of uh, three years of uh, you know build up of of, of moisture, build up of water tables, uh, and dams at relatively good levels uh, for for irrigation purposes. Um, and we had a relatively, um, you know, wet, uh, wet winter, uh, you know, so we're going to this season on the back of, of, of uh, good moisture, moisture levels. Uh, so obviously, uh, the below normal rainfall uh, that might be, um, you know, uh, arrive, um, we might not necessarily see a very, you know, a, a, you know, bad situation with, uh, with El Nino. And uh, hopefully, and in terms of the, you know, the, the, the forecast themselves, Indicate that the, uh, it, it, it might be a, a, a one-off event, uh, which meaning that uh, we're unlikely to see it uh, uh, in 2024-25 season. So if it, if it is a once-off event, then we are, we, we, are, we are not going to be badly impacted by by the by by, by the situation. Uh, so uh, comfortable on that on that front. There are many elements to it because you would think after all of this, there'll be some way to manage food prices. And yet the way the system works, it's so globalized. There are lots of different people producing at the same time. If we have an issue because we don't get enough rain because it's El Nino, well, that same um, El Nino causes more rain somewhere else. So we buy food from somewhere else. And at the same time, there's very little anyone can do to really um, try and, and provide a cushion against increasing food prices, except for income support. Well, that certainly seems to be how it looks to me at this stage. I mean, 
this is the way food markets work and nothing's really going to change that for a while, it would seem. Uh, no, definitely. Um, uh, obviously, I mean, in a, in a, a constrained economy such as ours, uh, where it is, um, growth is like lethargic, um, uh, you know, employment is uh, uh, really a problem. Um, you you are you are going to see those vulnerabilities. You know, they they become you know um, uh, very pronounced, uh, and, and therefore, if there's no um, element of uh, you know some cushion you know, for for the, you know, disadvantaged, uh, then we, we we end up with problems. But I think perhaps for South Africa, you know, in terms of advantage is that um, uh, the problem is not on the production side. So imagine if that, was you know, we had a problem on, on, on the production side. Um, it could have been even more, you know, more worse. So, um, you know, thanks to the to a functioning, uh, you know, uh, you know, agricultural, you know, production system, uh, and all we need to is to is to you know boost our infrastructure, uh, you know boost our infrastructure so that we can expand more, uh, but also to to smoothen the um, uh, you know the, the 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 delivery of 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 produce and 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 reduce those you know those mm-hmm. costs that uh, are building up. Uh, you know internationally, it, it, you know it is 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 the same situation. Um, you know, the El Nino is going to impact uh, the rest of the world. Uh, you know, Brazil, uh, you know, Argentina, uh, South America impacted, uh, uh, you know, as well uh, as ourselves. Uh, you, we have seen India in, being impacted, you know, uh, you know, three commodities, uh, you know, comes into mind, wheat, rice and sugar. And in all instances, um, they have, uh, you know, uh, applied, you know, you know, export restrictions uh, on, on their side. And and that's that's a global uh, you know uh, challenge uh, uh, that uh, that we're facing. Uh, we 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 have a whole situation that 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 uh, that, that that continues, and uh, a generally slow economy, uh, global economy uh, that uh, actually uh, impact on uh, the whole you know dy- dynamics around you know food food prices. Paul Makube, thank you, senior agricultural economist at First National Bank. Really appreciate the time bringing into your mediated conversation this morning. Mervyn Abrahams is the program coordinator at the Peter Maritzburg Economic Justice and Dignity Group. And uh, also my thanks to the chief economist at the Competition Commission, James Hodge. We'll be back tomorrow from Zilma Stanza and do myself. Look after yourself. You're with SFM leading the conversation nine o'clock.